1: Welcome back to The Family Room. Thanks for joining us today. So it's so great to have all you
2: listeners with us. We're so um, honored today because we've got a special guest. As you know, here on The Family Room, our goal is to help you by giving you resources, giving you Catholic wisdom, equipping you with all kinds of tools to help with your marriages and your families. And today um, we have got Father Dan Ketter, who is our judicial vicar here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And Father Ketter has got a wealth of knowledge and experience, and not only with the tribunal, but also serving in our parishes um, within Atlanta as well. And so you might think that today we're going to talk about the process of the tribunal. People are always very curious to understand the annulment process. Um, For those people who are not Catholic, those of our listeners who aren't Catholic, um, the Catholic Church, we have an annulment process you can look up and learn more about. But we are not going to be talking about that today. Instead, we really want to offer that hope and encouragement based upon on what Father Ketter has learned in his role as our Judicial Vicar that will make sure to keep your marriage off his desk. So, Father Father Dan, we are so thankful. Welcome to be, to The Family Room.
3: Thank you, Mari. Thank you, Craig and John. It's great to be with you guys.
2: So, Father Ketter, we like to always start here on The Family Room with prayer. And would you be willing to open us up with a prayer this today?
3: I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, God, you are our father and you've called us to be members of your family, your divine family. And every human family is an expression of that divine family uh, of which you have made us members. And Lord, we ask your fatherly blessing upon us and upon every family, in the church and in the world. Lord, we pray that this time together uh, in our conversation today on the family room that that uh, people would take away Um, something that uh, they can use in their marriage and their family to uh, make their family more like your family. And so we just pray that your Holy Spirit would inspire our our words today uh, and that through this time together, we would be blessed by you. We make this prayer, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus. For he is Lord and he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. And Amen. in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and Amen. of the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. 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 So, Father Father Dan, as I introduced you, I mentioned that you were our judicial vicar here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta, but obviously there's more about you. So we'd just love for you to um, share anything else about yourself you'd like to, to, that our listeners might be interested in understanding or knowing.
3: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Mark. Um, so I've uh, been a priest for 13 years, was ordained, May 31st, 2008, the Feast of the Visitation of the Blessed Mother. Um, I served for four years at... Uh, St. Jude, the Apostle Catholic Church in Sandy Springs. That's where I got to know you, Mari. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, we, we've known one another since before you, before you that, became a actually. priest. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we, but you were actually, we you know what, Father,
2: Father Dan, I don't know if you know this, you were actually my birthday present because your first mass was actually on my birthday at St. Jude.
3: Was it? Yes. All right. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, you and I reconnected, uh, at St. Jude. So it was four years there. And then I was sent to study canon law and did that in Washington, D.C. at the Catholic University of America for three years, came back to Atlanta in 2015 and had been working in the tribunal in different roles uh, these last six years, most recently in the role, as you mentioned, of judicial vicar. Prior to life in the seminary and the priesthood, uh, I'm the youngest of three from a Catholic family. I was born out on the West Coast. We lived in upstate New York for a little while. We ultimately moved to Atlanta. Um, went to college in North Carolina. I worked for a number of years after college before I entered the seminary. But then ultimately, um, God got a hold of me and, um, and brought me into the, into the seminary. And, and then that began, began the, my formal preparation for becoming a priest. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my story.
1: So going a little deeper in your story, if you don't mind, oftentimes when we talk about uh, vocations coming out of families, you hear about the uh, various marriages that, you know, lead to vocation. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, experience with your parents and their marriage that may have led you to um, becoming a priest?
3: Sure. I mean, the the most important um, fact or feature of their marriage that I think uh, played a role in, in my own vocation is that uh, – they had a faithful marriage of many, many years. Um, my mom passed away a year and a half ago, but um, mom and dad were married, you know, more than 55 years. Um, and just that commitment, that fidelity to one another and to God, um, no doubt, uh, you know, was instrumental in, in informing me just as a, as a, as their son, as a person, but also, uh, as a, as a Catholic. Um, I would say that our, our, Spiritual life as a family was not extraordinary in any way or exceptional in any way. It was really probably pretty average, you would say, but it was consistent. Um, Mom and dad were consistent in practicing their faith and ensuring that me and my siblings practiced the faith as well. So I think just that commitment to one another and to their faith were the, the features that um, in, in subtle but important ways impacted my, my vocation.
1: So you're telling me there's still hope for my family, (laughs) Despite, despite not being a saint, just by being faithful and trying to follow the church, there's hope.
3: That's right. That's right. You got it. Awesome. That's great. Thanks.
2: That, that's wonderful. So, Father, as we said at the beginning, you are here today to really help people learn from what you've learned um, as far as how to keep make sure that we keep our marriages out of the tribunal. We don't want our marriages coming right. across your desk, right? So That's right. Um, you've probably, in parish life, got this chance to see a lot of wonderful marriages, and then you also have seen um, maybe some marriages saved as well. Um, and you mentioned that you actually have identified some things that would help us help offer hope and encouragement to each of us in our marriages. Would you be willing to share yeah. those?
3: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, in, you know, my, my work here uh, with my colleagues in the tribunal, we, um, we, unfortunately, we deal with a lot of marriages that, um, that broke down and um, didn't, didn't endure. And uh, we, we dig deeply into those um uh, marriages to try and explore um whether or not those marriages had the right foundation in the very beginning um as you alluded to that would be a topic for a whole other show kind of how uh, the church's understanding of a uh, declaration of nullity and the whole process for coming to that determination um but uh sufficient to be said that we we have to dig deeply into into these relationships and so we we see patterns uh, that mm-hmm. um you know in our in our work from from case to case from marriage to marriage and so we can start drawing some conclusions or takeaways about things that uh couples can avoid um or positive steps that they can take to try and ensure that uh their marriage never ends up in a in a file on on my desk or any of the, the desks of my colleagues here in the tribunal you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. so um can we go ahead and, and jump right in and, and yeah. get started
2: we'd love to okay. hear about them yeah
3: okay great um so i've got four four strategies that uh, i want to suggest to to our listeners um we'll take them one at a time the first one for strategy is to prioritize prioritize your relationships correctly
4: mm.
3: prioritize your relationships correctly or more specifically your relationship with your spouse needs to, to find its proper place in, its, in the hierarchy of relationships that, that, that we have in our lives. We have a lot of different kinds of relationships in our lives, uh, married couples even more so. And so for uh, married couples, uh, their hierarchy of, of relationships should look something like this. Number one, their relationship with God. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's clear in the scriptures, right? Uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Or um, uh, even, you know, from the Old Covenant, uh, the great Shema uh, command that God gave to Israel through through Moses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. So the first relationship uh, for spouses needs to be their relationship with God. Um, but then after that, must be their relationship with one another, their spousal relationship, their marital relationship.
4: Right?
3: And then after that, then should come their relationships with their children, hmm. their relationship with their job, their relationship with their friends, their relationship with their hobbies and on and on and on. What we often see in our work here in the tribunal is that the marital relationship, the spousal relationship, keeps getting bumped down in that hierarchy of relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly when kids come along. I mean, that's the one that's probably most notoriously the the one that bumps uh, the marital relationship. and. Mm It's you can kind of understand, you know, maybe why spouses allow that to happen or, or, or positively make that happen, because there's this thought that, OK, these children, we've been blessed with these children. They're vulnerable. They need us. They're, you know, in these formative years and we don't have a lot of time with them. And so we got to pour ourselves and all our energy into them. And so they they come to this conclusion consciously or subconsciously that the marriage marital relationship can sort of, uh, step to the side Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and that the relationship with the children becomes more important and it doesn't work. It's a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's a mistake. Um, and so, um, the, that marital relationship needs to come before the relationship with the children. We can talk about that, you know, a little bit more. There's a little bit more to say there, but another common one is the job, you know, and that probably is not a surprise to people that, uh, particularly for the men, you know, the job becomes, um, more important. They spend more of their time, effort and energy investing it in their job. And they just have scraps left over for their spouse, you know, or, or even their kids. Um, but sometimes, I mean, more and more, we see that with, with women as Mm -hmm. well, you know, that they've got a real uh, promising career and, and, you know, the world in which we live tells them that if you're going to be a woman of any significance, you got to have, you know, a, a career with a big salary and travel all over the place. And so we do see that as well with, with women where that that's more important than, than the marital relationship. Um, but then, as I mentioned, similarly, you know, sometimes friends can become a more important relationship mm-hmm. or higher priority for spouses than their, their relationship with their their beloved or, or hobbies. Um, you know, the, any any number of things. But I'd say the two, the two most common relationships that end up bumping the marriage relationship are the relationship with the children and the relationship with the job.
0: Mm, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people, it's not because, Hey, we're going to go into this to try to wreck our marriage. It's the squeaky wheel gets the crease, mm-hmm. grease with the kids, right? Hey, mm-hmm. this child needs attention. And we really believe we're doing the right thing, paying attention to that child or providing for our family through our job. So, it it's mm-hmm. not a surprise that those would be difficult challenges.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. interesting too, because we've talked about, you know, amongst ourselves, our identities and mm-hmm. in our marriage, where that identity plays. And I know, you know, Mara, you brought up from a woman's perspective, you know, how do you look at it with the kids? Like what's your primary purpose?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you I, exactly. You become a mother and, and as father Dan just said, that is a great gift. It's a great gift to have. And so you think, oh my gosh, I need to be focused on my kids. And it's interesting when I remember when, when we got married, we did a lot of prep listening to tapes and movies and videos about how to be the best husband and wife and, and parents. And what I realized was what I learned on that. One of the things I learned was that kids actually feel safer if you make your husband or your wife first. So if they see mom and dad, Make their relationship first, then they feel actually safer. They don't feel left out, they don't feel neglected. they actually feel safer. There are all these stories of like kids started sleeping through the night better. They stopped trying to crawl into bed with you because they they saw that you got along so well they didn't have to worry about how you guys were doing. so it was it was good kind of interesting. yeah
3: that's the that's the pearl of of great price there, um, Mari, that um, kids uh, have an intuitive sense. For the strength of their parents' relationship, uh, they they intuit how mom and dad are doing. Okay, and uh, if that relationship is not strong, if it's become weak, if it's suffering, the kids the kids know it. Um, they're not. You're not going to know that they know it necessarily by what they say or what they do, but um, but they they know it and they they suffer or they thrive based on how they intuit the strength of that of that marital relationship. Uh, and so if it's, if it's strong, yes, as you said, the kids feel safe, they feel secure. Um, and they can, they can flourish. They can, they can grow and develop because they're, they're, they're planted in a, in a rich soil of Mm -hmm. of a healthy, strong marriage. But if those kids sense that that marriage is not strong, that it's fragile and it's weak, then they feel very insecure.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and they have a, a difficult time, yeah, just flourishing, being themselves and and becoming the young people that God wants them them to be. Um, so it's again, it's somewhat counter in intuitive, uh, but uh, I've witnessed it and you echoed it that that's the truth.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the family room, uh, we're with Father Dan Ketter. He's a judicial vicar uh, for the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and he's telling us how to keep your marriage off the desk of the tribunal. Yes. <laughs> so I think you have four things that you wanted to share with us, uh, Father Dan, right? Uh, is, is this a good point to jump to our next one? Yeah, let's
3: let's do that. Let's move on to the second one. So first one was prioritize your relationships correctly. The second one, spouses need to align their religious beliefs and practice their faith together mm-hmm. so align their religious beliefs and practice their faith together. Um, now that's not always, uh, entirely possible, but to the extent that they can, uh, they, they need to, um, they need to have this be uh, a point of focus, for them. And why do I say that? Well, again, these are lessons drawn from, from my experience working in the, in the tribunal, dealing with a lot of, of marriages that, that broke down. Um, what we see uh, is that oftentimes for uh, young people, when they're dating or engaged um, their spiritual life is not, is not uh, tremendously important to them at that point. Um, and so they don't, place a great priority on finding somebody who shares their same faith, their Mm -hmm. same spiritual values. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't seem that crucial, important to them. And so if they're, you know, vaguely on the same page or they can be tolerant of the others, different views, you know, that's sufficient for them. The most important thing at that time is, you know, she's beautiful. He's handsome. I got a great personality. We have similar hobbies, you know, those kinds of things. and, and religion, spirituality, faith is, is not terribly important. But what we see is that, that as the marriage, as they enter into marriage and the marriage unfolds, that becomes more and more important wow. for them. Okay. And they begin to discover that, you know, we really are not uh, aligned. We, we have very different beliefs and um, they find it more difficult to connect on that religious spiritual level. And then it's, uh, amplified when children come along, and all of a sudden, these decisions have to be made about well, are we going to get our child baptized? If so, where are mm-hmm. we going to take them to church? Are, are we going to go to church? Where are we going to do that? You know, so all these things that didn't seem very significant or important when they were dating, engaged, now during the marriage become more important. And they, when a couple is not aligned or they really see things differently, it can become a big wedge in their relationship that um doesn't help them stay together but in fact causes them to, to move apart.
1: It's an interesting story because I recall uh, my father was not catholic and uh, he had agreed that you know I would be raised catholic whatever and he did he stayed out of it but it was interesting I uh, as a young child I pulled the man card at like 5 6 years old and said I'm not going to mass today I'm going to hang out cuz my dad didn't go he was working a lot and I said I'm not going I was still in my play clothes and My mother looked at me and she says, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to hang out with dad today. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) And uh, I remember you talk about religion being important. My father didn't follow a religion, but like when I walked out the door in my play clothes and my father looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm hanging out with you today. We're going to hang out, dad, just you and me. And he said, get your tail inside. You're going to church with your mother. (laughs) That's all I had to say for the rest of my life, I'm like, well, I guess this is important, otherwise, this very large man might uh, might tan my hide a little bit. <laughs> so, despite the fact yeah. that the father should be the spiritual leader, he led that way that day and it helped quite a bit,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, ideally, couples will share the same uh, faith. Uh, okay, look, okay, we're Catholics, this is a Catholic show, okay, so let's say uh, ideally, there you're going to be two Catholics who are are getting married and they're they're both committed to their faith and and they they live that together as as a husband and wife i mean that that is that is the ideal um but um you know maybe um maybe it's a catholic and a non-catholic christian you know a protestant uh christian um it it, they can certainly make it work and i know of couples who have great you know happy marriages Mm -hmm. and whatnot but uh but it is a there is an element of challenge there. It does introduce some some difficulties that, that they have to navigate uh, as a as a married couple. And, and the more different you become in your religious beliefs and values, the more challenging it becomes uh, for the marriage. That's why the the church, in her wisdom, whenever a Catholic is going to marry. Uh, somebody who's not Catholic, again, whether they be a a non-Catholic Christian or they be uh, a non-baptized person or whatever, the church uh, asks certain checks to be made before it gives the approval for the marriage to take place because Mm. 2,000 years of experience shows that when you're not aligned (laughs) (laughs)
0: with
3: religious practice, it's going to introduce challenges.
0: Father Dan, are there key things that 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 are really important to be aligned on, even if it's a Catholic and a, and a, maybe a non-Catholic Christian, are there parts of practicing your faith that seem to be more important than others?
3: Well, uh, in terms of the, like actual practice, I yes. mean, we could talk about like doctrinal things. No, no, you know, it Day in and you, day out, yeah. In terms of day in and day out, I would say, you know, um, the the biggest probably most obvious one is what are we going to do on Sunday? Mm-hmm. How we how are we going to honor the Sabbath? The Lord's Day, uh, are we going to go to um, Mass? You know, at the Catholic Church, and we're going to go to the service at you know the the Baptist Church. Um, are uh, we going to alternate? I'm, I'm not endorsing alternating by that, but I'm just saying, you know, you need to you need to kind of be thinking through how how are we going to you know, honor the Sabbath, particularly when children come along. And then you know, I'd be thinking about okay. Um, sacraments are are we going to have our child Mm -hmm. you know baptized in the catholic church and if so the church is going to ask us to make a commitment to raising that child in in the faith so um so yeah the the how you celebrate uh or honor sunday uh and how you're gonna handle the sacraments um now again i i I don't want to speak in a way that makes me sound sort of um indifferent to the path that the couples would take. I, I would like to, to, to see them say, yeah, we're going to go to mass every Sunday and we're going to baptize and raise those kids in the Catholic church. But you know um, that's the ideal in my view, but uh, the couples need to need to have those hard conversations and, and work that out. And ideally the sooner they can do it, ideally before marriage, the, the better.
2: You know it's interesting you just mentioned the 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 word sac- sacrament and so of course we believe marriage is a sacrament marriage is a sacrament and so it's not just the two of us god is in the middle of that the holy spirit's in the in the middle of it and one of the things that i think about is we are growing in our marriages and once again hopefully ideally we're growing together which means maybe we're also growing in our in our sacramental life, um, in the, ch- within the church together as well. So maybe I know, for example, one of the things that, that I've heard you say before is that, uh, we should hopefully be going to confession together once a month. So the couple, the mm-hmm. family going to confession together, and if it's something you're not doing right now, that's okay. You haven't, it's not like it's too late. You can start these things. I know that my husband and I just recently, and I can't believe now it's been three years we've been doing this, is that we've been going, we've been, we became, Um, adorers together so we are adoration guardians together and we began that process when our son was a senior in high school because all of a sudden we realized oh my gosh in a year we're sending him out into the big bad world and we better get our we better make sure that we are very intentionally praying for him. So we started praying, um, once a week, uh, we had a holy hour, um, at our church at, at our parish and we would go and we, we, we prayed for him and then we prayed all through his senior year. And then of course he started college. And so we prayed even harder and we went once a week together. And now we are actually taking our daughter to college in one week, which is so hard for me to believe. And so we've been praying her whole senior year and we will continue that, but we, w- neither one of us had been regular practicers of, of, um, adore adoration. And it became something that we grew in together and it's, it's been beautiful, mm-hmm. um, for us, but it, it, I yeah. just offer it as just an example of, I think that because this is such a beautiful sacrament and we believe it is the Holy spirit is going to continue to potentially help you grow together in your faith. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I would say the, the, the third, um, element of practice, practical element of how, you know, um, you align on your religious beliefs and practice your faith together would be in addition to how you spend your Sundays, what you're going to, uh, what your plan is going to be for the children. The third would be, um, how we pray together mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do we have that? Have we even, have we even broached that subject? Do we, have we, have we ventured into those waters? Uh, are we ready to do that? Um, that, uh I would say is is crucial and can go a long way towards strengthening and building a marriage or toward um leaving a crack that that might grow bigger over time.
2: Right, definitely. So, um, and Father, I know that we probably don't have time to get into it, but I know at one point you also mentioned how we spend our money as a couple, too. So whether we tithe, how much we tithe, what we do with that, that could be a whole nother show itself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As well, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to AM eleven sixty the quest, and we are here in the family room. We are with Father Dan Ketter, who is our judicial vicar here for the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and he is sharing with us some some very practical um, and, in, and very inspired ways to make sure that you keep your marriage out of the tribunal um, and maybe even a more positive way of saying that is we want your marriages to flourish. We want you to find joy in your marriages. This is just such a beautiful sacrament that God has given, given to many of us. And so as we thrive, it's helpful to sometimes hear from somebody who has seen um, both the best as well as the places where maybe the world got in the way and all these other things got in the way, because we know the evil one is after us. And, he if he's going to attack us he's going to attack us in the domestic church which is our marriage and our family and so we want to be able to give you as much hope and as many resources together to be able to um to be able to have these flourishing marriages so thank you and we will see you right after the break with more from father dan
0: we'll come right back to the family room with mari john and craig right after this
5: listening to am 1160 the quest at home just got easier join the quest with alexa Search for us on the Alexa app or say, Alexa, enable the quest skill. After enabling the skill, simply say, Alexa, open the quest.
6: Now joining the quest. 60 Seconds
1: with Mother Angelica.
5: Piety means that we all have one Father, the eternal Father breathed the soul into my body. Only God creates. And I forget the chances that we had of ever being created, but it goes into the millions. If they were selling tickets for one in ten million, you wouldn't buy one. I wouldn't buy one. I think that would be stupid. You don't have a chance. But you had not only a chance, but God decided to create you. And He created you with a specific degree of holiness that He wants from you and that's what's so wonderful we are created by god to be with him in heaven forever
1: the people you know and trust are on ewtn hello this is father brian baker i'm a priest for the archdiocese of atlanta and i wanted to share with you uh, a favorite prayer of mine one that i like to say in a quick moment which can help throughout a busy day and it goes like this jesus mary and joseph forgive me, heal me, protect me, sanctify me. Amen.
6: Please join us each day in this novena prayer for AM 1160 The Quest. My dearest Mother Mary, behold me your child in prayer at your feet. Accept this holy novena which I offer for the intentions of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in atonement for the offenses committed against your Immaculate Heart, and that AM 1160 The Quest will raise the necessary funds to purchase the station and continue to spread the message of God's love and joy across Atlanta. I beg you to present my petition to your Divine Son. I know, dearest Mother, that you want me to seek God's holy will concerning my request. I put all my confidence in you, since your prayers before God are most powerful. For the greater glory of God... And for the sake of Jesus, your loving Son, hear and grant my prayer. Sweetheart of Mary, Our Lady of Fatima.
1: Do you have a friend or family member who's seeking to grow in their spirituality? Know someone who's fallen away from their faith? Why not invite them to listen to AM 1160 The Quest? We offer a wide variety of the most prominent voices on Catholic radio. There are four great ways to listen to The Quest on your radio at AM 1160, online at thequestatlanta.com, on your smart speaker, and on the Quest Atlanta app. Please invite a friend to listen to AM 1160 The Quest today.
5: This is Carol Tearsmith, President of Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160 The Quest, Metro Atlanta's newest Catholic radio station. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Quest. When I first felt the calling to start this station last October, I wondered if God was asking the wrong person. It was a big leap of faith, but He put the pieces together and we had the project rolling within 30 days. Five months later, here we are on the air with the largest Catholic radio listening area in greater Atlanta and streaming online 24-7 across the world. It's a miracle, and that's how God works. He guides us, opens doors, and drives us forward. He made it clear that Atlanta needs Catholic radio, and now is the time. AM 1160 The Quest is your Atlanta Catholic radio station, and we need you to keep the momentum going. We need to raise $1.1 million to purchase the station and equip the studio. We hope you'll share our mission and go to thequestatlanta.com to donate today. God bless you and thank you for your support.
0: Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
5: You can take AM 1160 The Quest with you no matter the location. Listen live any time of day. Discover community resources and submit prayer requests at thequestatlana.com.
1: We're back in the family room. So grab a seat
0: right here on AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we're in the family room and we're going to talk to Father Dan Ketter again. And, and Father Dan, one of the things that we like to do in the family room, just a little tradition, is to ask our guests our guests, to think about their family room experience and maybe some things that you remember from growing up, uh, favorite activities in the Ketter family room. Do you have some, yeah. some ideas you can share with us?
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so probably one of the the most um vivid memories uh of mine is uh in our family room was uh I'm picturing our family room when I was in our first home, or at least the one I was born into. Um and it was down in the basement or the lower level of the house and it had, you know, shag carpet paneled walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh so the tradition in our house was <clears throat> on Sundays, you know, we'd go to Mass um, and, you know, CCD, as we called it back then after, after Mass, and then come home and we'd have a big breakfast, yeah. you know, bacon, eggs, orange juice, toast, the whole thing. Uh, feast, clean up the whole kitchen. And then the kind of the unspoken rule is that mom didn't have to cook anything the rest of the day. <laughs> and what we would do in the evening is um, we would gather in the family room and uh, we would have, uh, well, mom would make popcorn. She make just these massive bowls of popcorn, you know, the old fashioned way on the stovetop. And it was the one night of the week. We got a soda, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, uh and maybe like a little candy bar or something to, to top it all off at the end. And we would watch uh mutual of Omaha's wild candy yes. oh yes, Walt- oh world or something like that. Yep. And we would just be there in the family room, you know, eating popcorn, watching, you know, uh, uh, Lawrence <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yep. yep. dating myself here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, sometimes when I would get bored with what was watch- going on on TV, I'd, I'd make little blanket forts underneath mom and dad's legs, you know, cause they were on the couch and their legs were going over to the, you know, the coffee table. And so it <laughs> made like, you know, a nice little space underneath their legs. And, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a vivid memory for me. And, and I'll, I'll let you know, uh, that, uh, so that was, it. like I said, every Sunday, um, I try every Sunday evening to make popcorn. Oh, say awesome. on the stove <laughs> awesome. Just did it last night. Uh, and, uh, and so yeah, it's a favorite memory of mine. Awesome. That's a good one.
1: Since we're you know, here, you can invite us over. We'll be glad to join you and your family room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll Unfortunately, we we'll, uh, won't be able
2: to watch anything on television these days, though.
1: <laughs> this is true. <laughs> we can we can pull up some uh, Wild Kingdom
3: on yeah. YouTube. You know, sure. and, uh...
2: <laughs> that is perfect. Or Little House on the Prairie. I think that's what we used to do. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I started to actually. I was trying to visualize your family family room, Father Ketter, and I was visualizing that your shag carpet was either like goldenrod gold or brown or gr- green. green. Uh, brown. 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 brown, brown. It was the brown. That's what i <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. So right before our break, you were telling us you had four strategies, and we'd gone through the first two strategies. Um, do you want to continue um, uh, and maybe recap those briefly and continue on sure. with us?
3: Sure. Yeah. So um, four strategy first first strat- of the four strategies is prioritize your relationships correctly. The second one was align on your religious beliefs and, and practice your faith together and then the third strategy is to always regard your marriage as under construction mm. Mm. always regard your marriage as, as under construction but to say um, you can never coast in your marital relationship because the minute you uh think you're coasting you're actually sliding mm. backwards not sliding forward certainly you're sliding sliding backwards um and so there has to be a commitment to a constant effort, uh constant work being done on the marital relationship with the belief that um, as good as your relationship may be, it can always, it can always get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, this strategy is kind of linked to the first one in terms of about how we prioritize, you know, mm-hmm. our, our styles of relationship, our marital relationship, if we have it in its proper place in the hierarchy of relationships in our lives, uh, there's a better chance we're going to be investing in our, our marital relationship. But if we let it slide down that hierarchy, uh, then it's more likely that we're, we're not going to be working on it or investing in it the, w- the way we need to. So it's, it's definitely closely linked to that, that first strategy. Um, but uh, the idea is that uh, because of its importance in your life and the life of your family, and ultimately expanding out from there, the life of the society. Um, it's it's got to be a relationship that you're you're always working on, always seeking how you can, can deepen it, grow it, uh, strengthen it uh for the for the long haul.
1: I what think- is I'm sorry, go ahead. John. No. I was gonna say, what does that look like then, Father? You know, under construction, what effort do we really need to put in to mm-hmm. keep it under construction and make it better?
3: yeah uh I think a couple of things one uh you need to be um looking for good resources that can uh teach you uh, more and more how to, to continue to build and pursue a strong marriage. So, I mean, the, the most sort of obvious one would be good books, you know, on, on marriage and the marital relationship. Um, now of course, there's so much online, you know, you can find, uh, great resources online too, you know, uh, marriage enrichment programs and, um, you know, videos and, and things of that nature. Um, certainly for, for uh, Catholics, uh, hopefully you're connected to your parish, and you know perhaps your parish has some some resources for marriage enrichment, um, getting and in, getting involved in those, and, and letting the, the parish uh, assist you in in deepening your marriage relationship, strengthening your, your marriage marital relationship. Uh, another very valuable uh, a, a approach or a very valuable um, step that couples can take is to to make an annual retreat mm-hmm. together to make an annual retreat together to have some time a a, a significant chunk of time blocked off for the two of you to to just be together and be looking at your relationship in the light of of god's call in your life you know that he is the lord of your marriage um and so you're 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 coming together and just making sure you know okay what where have we been in our relationship? What is God asking of us? So let's spend some time just uh, sort of um, just shoring up the foundation, identifying how we're going to be growing in the, in the year ahead. You know, uh, that's a, that's a simple lesson we can take from like corporate, corporate America, right? You always hear of these like business retreats or corporate mm-hmm. retreats and they'll do it periodically. Okay. Like, you know, how has the last year been, you know, uh, what, what are the, what are the things we need to be doing for the year ahead to make it a successful year? And, I mean, it's, it's similar for, for a married couple, you know, every year stepping aside, stepping out of the, the, the the craziness of of daily family life, um, having that, that, that space, that time to say, where have we been? You know, how's this last year been for us? You know, what were our successes? What were our failures? Okay. What do we want to do for the year ahead? How do we want to strengthen up our relationship and make it to grow? Um, if If a couple's doing that every year, Wow. Mm-hmm. pretty good chance that, that their marriage is going to be mm-hmm. growing and getting stronger year by year.
2: And father, one thing you just said, I wrote it down because it was so profound for me was you said your relationship in light of God's call on your life. I loved those, those words. It was such a great way to do it. Cause you're right. Corporate, we We can kind of mimic a corporate retreat, but that part of it. Wow. Yes. That was really powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought about just in our and in, and in, in Barb and I have been married for 41 years. Ooh, and, congratulations! And, and that's more credit to Barb than to me. But <laughs> um, but on, on our on our wedding night and every night since then, we have repeated our our marriage vows. Over. Really? Yeah. And what it's forced us to do not think we were not all holy and devout. And boy, are we going to be the perfect marriage? We were probably just praying. Let's get through this. But but. Um, <laughs> It does what you said, Father Dan. It reminds us where the priority is. I will love you and honor you, you know. And then um, it, it also reminds us that it's like this is under construction because when you've had a really bad day or you've had a fight, not that we've ever had those. But if you did in another marriage, you got to say your vows before you go to sleep.
2: Wow. That's that
0: amazing. That's like hardcore, okay. not easy. So, okay,
2: I'm writing that one down so to you. I, that's, I There just, we go.
0: Um, that was divine inspiration, um, but it's it's a really good, just very practical. And I promise mm-hmm. you we've done more of that than we have annual retreats. So I need to, we need to work there. Yeah. On that. There you go.
3: There you go. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, we, um, in, in our work here in the tribunal, we see that, um, and I mean, you don't have to work in the tribunal to see this. I'm sure you guys can see it too, that, that there's, you know, all this excitement and, and energy that the couples have as they're, gauged and getting married and maybe even early on in the marriage, but then so easily that energy and enthusiasm gets directed elsewhere and the marriage is just expected to sustain itself, you know, without any, any direct effort on, on the part of, of the couples, but it, it's not going to happen. It's like, you know, cutting off the oxygen supply. Uh, and so, the The couples have to be intentional spouses have to be intentional about saying we cannot coast there's no coasting in this. we have to be in a mode of constant construction we're mm-hmm. always we're always seeking to build to grow and you know it doesn't have to be monumental ways every day you know it can be simple things like you know expressing your vows but but there has to just be that intentionality about we're always in a in a growth mode with uh with our relationship. I just thought of this you know you you read uh Um, or you watch the news, you know, they're, they're always talking about, you know the companies and their quarterly reports of what kind of profits and earnings yep. and all that kind of stuff that there's the expectation of these publicly traded companies that they're always growing you know <laughs> yep. so those those board you know those boards the, the the c-suite folks you know they're always thinking about how are we growing this thing they're never saying oh let's
0: just coast for this year you <laughs> know comps this year
1: <laughs> Yeah, but it's, yeah it's, right it's funny you bring that up too because John and I came together. Uh, by that exact discussion, because we've always talked about bringing your faith into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And John twisted that and said, how about if we brought our workplace into our faith, especially as guys, the planners, you know, we got to drive for, you know, profits, as you say, and all these things. And we never do it because I'm so focused on my job. To your point, I, I can say I failed in my marriage and always prioritizing Kelly at the top because I'm doing these other things. But John John had a very wise point, because you think about it, two broken people, so using your construction, two broken people somewhere somehow you're going to get broken in your life, you come together well, two broken things coming together certainly help fix it, but you have to continue to work on it, and Unfortunately, at my age, growing up, you know, talking about going to therapy was a dirty word mm. because only people that were in really bad shape had to go to therapy. And quite honestly, I'm finding out, as uh, as I've seen people who have done it, that have great marriages, but to make them better, as Kelly and I have ventured that way, it's not about this marriage is over and we need to save it as much as I need to better understand how to deal with her. She needs to better understand how to deal with me. And very often that third party who doesn't know us all that well, but is smart enough to listen, can point and say, well... Craig, keep your mouth shut once in a while and quit 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 leaning in when she's trying to retreat and things like that. Mm-hmm. That all of a sudden magically you're like, Wow, I, I guess I learned something here. And to your point, those are God ordained situations. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. You know, our marriage is really a great sanctification opportunity right oh. i mean I, oh, yeah. being married That's and then also having of purposes kids. right it right. is yeah. one of the purposes yeah exactly but i don't think we always i don't think we think about it that way very often both being yeah. married and being a parent oh my gosh such humbling experiences i always i say to my kids every good thing that you guys have in you your humility your kindness all your good stuff you got from your dad, all your bad stuff you got from me. So it's a very humbling It's a humbling place. It really is. But uh, you know, when you were talking about uh, Craig, you were talking about uh, going to therapy and things like that. One of the things I was thinking about is we get into ruts, right? We get into patterns of behavior and they get deeper and deeper and deeper in our marriages. And unless we're working them out and trying to do something different, it stays that way. True. Yeah. Listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to the family room. We are here with uh, Father Dan Ketter, who is our parochial, uh, sorry, our, our judicial vicar here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And we are talking about um, how to keep your marriage out of the tribunal by um, how to build it, how to build it and grow it. And he's got some great strategies for us to make sure that we are um, living the life and the sacrament that God wanted us to live. So thank you again for tuning in to AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlantic Catholic radio station. So Father, that was um, number three. Was there, oh, I know there was one other thing on the third one there when you're talking about recognizing that our marriages are under construction. One of the things I heard you say at one point was also having the hope and the knowledge that the best days are ahead. Was there anything more about that that you wanted to share about the best days being ahead in our marriages?
3: You know, um, I've, uh, this wouldn't be necessarily in my work in the, in the tribunal, but just, uh, you know, m- my ministry in the parishes or in marriage ministry in general, you know, you you run into these couples uh, once in a while, who many years into their marriage will say our marriage is better now than it was at any time, mm. you know, and it's really like, wow, that's really awesome. You know, that's really awesome. And, and with it, with it all our, all our couple's, could say that, you know, and, and how did that happen? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't, you know, they didn't just stumble into that No, because they worked at it, you know, it's because they invested in it that they, 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 they really, um, uh, put forward the effort that was necessary to, to, to make that perpetual growth happen.
2: Okay. I'm going to put John on the spot just for a second, because John's <laughs> been married longer than uh. than Craig and me. he been married 41 years. Okay. So, could you say that what Father Dan just said, and if so, why could you say that?
0: So, I I hate to be like a poser or something, but I would say exactly that. I think Barbara, (laughs) Barbara would tell you that our marriage today, or how we are today, is way better than what we were in in 1980. And I think, and I think why is I, I attribute it to a single event that has inspired or been an aid for our entire marriage. And when when in the church, if you get married, typically the the wife goes and prays to the Blessed Virgin and the husband goes and prays to St. Joseph. Um, we went to, the, to a little chapel dedicated to the Blessed Virgin, and we both prayed and we committed our marriage in a memorare uh, to the Blessed Virgin oh. that day. Mm-hmm. And, and there have been, we've been in messes. We were, you're not going to read about us in the book of perfect marriages uh, if there is such a thing, but, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I, I attribute it to the, the grace God grants because of the intercession of the blessed mother. So that's that. So absolutely it is. And, and I think
1: that's why.
2: That's amazing. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, father, we can't deny the fact there's probably listeners out there that are saying, nope, I'm too far gone. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And. We just have to remember God is the God of the past, the present, and the future. Mm -hmm. And he's willing to enter in whenever we ask him into those pains, into the suffering we may have, you know, felt from a family member that carried into my marriage or between spouses. Mm -hmm. And when we're vulnerable and let him in, he tears down those walls and he repairs it really from the point that it happened since God is not, there is no space in time. So it's not like it's too late. I'm way past. God will heal it from something that happened 20 years ago. And the healing will take place through those generations. And today it could be magically turned around to a whole different perspective for both people. And it's just amazing what God's willing to do to your point earlier, when he becomes number one.
3: Yeah yeah no that's an excellent point Craig. and and you're right that there there uh, as, as the existence of the office where i work attest there there are a lot of people who are listening no doubt who find their marriage in a really tough place real bad place and and probably some who feel like it's beyond repair um, so it's it's a great that you 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 sort of uh, offer an encouraging word to them uh, I've been reading this, uh, book, uh, just kind of nibbling my way through it for the past several months, um, about that very, very topic it's, it's called impossible marriages redeemed. It's really a compilation of stories of couples who found their marriage in a really dark place, you know, and some of them had ended, some of them had obtained civil divorces and they'd separated, or, or some of them just found themselves on the, on the, on the brink, you know, of, of that. Um, but in every story in this book, There was a redemption that happened, and uh, and and a a happy ending, and and um, in so many of those uh stories in so many of the cases it was precisely because of uh god's work in the, in the lives of one or, or both of those spouses mm-hmm. um you're right he stands at the door and knocks you know we read that in the in revelation i stand at the door and knock jesus says whoever opens the door i will come in and dine with him and, and he with me and so it's true of us as individuals it's true for married couples that jesus stands at the door and knock and if you if you let him in no matter how bad your marriage may seem if you let him in um, he can, uh, heal what seems, um, beyond remedy.
2: Mm. And the visual I just got, as you said that father Dan was that it only takes one of us to open the door. So it, yeah,
3: and in, 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 right. In many of these stories, it was one of the spouses yeah. who went through this spiritual conversion and they just became like a prayer warrior, you know, and just prayed their marriage back to health, you know, and, and, and then eventually, you know, the other spouse caught fire and, and, but, but yeah, it's not necessarily like a simultaneous thing with the spouse. It's sometimes just one, but then God through that person works on the other.
0: Mm-hmm. That's I had great. a different visual, Mari. You I did. had knock on the door. God will come in and dine with you. And he'll help clean up the dishes.
3: He'll he'll help you with the mess. (laughs) Help you with the mess. That's right. Uh, Indeed.
2: Indeed. And since you brought up um, the Blessed Mother, what I was thinking as you told that story is that she is also known as the entire of knots, right? Yes. So if your marriage is in a big fat knot right now, you can't even see where to start unpicking your knot. She is the one who can do that. Yeah. Yeah. We are so blessed as Catholics. I just, I'm, I just got my heart full just that second, just thinking about how blessed we are and how, yeah, God just gives us so much. So amazing.
0: He wants us. He wants us. Yeah.
2: He wants us all to make it home to him. Yeah, definitely. So, um, father, I think we're about ready for your fourth strategy.
3: Mm -hmm. Good. So, uh, again, recapping where we've been number one, prioritize your relationships correctly. Relationship with God first, relationship with your spouse second, relationship with your children third, and job fourth, and so on and so forth. Um, number two, align on your religious beliefs and practice your faith together. Third was always regard your marriage as under construction. It's, um, it's always a work in progress, uh, the marriage, and never, never coasting. The, the fourth strategy is we could probably do five shows on this, this fourth strategy.
2: (laughs) Okay. We have his word already. (laughs) Father, we got you. We're writing that down.
3: (laughs) Uh, We're just going to scratch the surface here, but uh, the, the fourth strategy is to learn God's plan for marital sexuality and live it. Learn God's plan for marital sexuality and, and live it. So let me unpack that just a little bit. Um, all spouses are looking for intimacy, you know, with their spouse. Um, that is um, the great attractiveness of, of marriage: is to, to be able to form an intimate relationship with with another person. Well, there's several forms of intimacy. Uh, we could speak of emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy. We even talk about intellectual intimacy. But then, of course, we also have physical or or, or sexual intimacy. But of those various kinds of intimacy. Sexual intimacy is uniquely marital.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Sexual intimacy is uniquely marital. What do I mean? Think of this. Okay. I, I, or any one of us could be emotionally intimate with, uh, somebody else, uh, our grandfather, our grandmother, um, our aunt or uncle, we could be emotionally intimate with that person, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not married to them. Or spiritual intimacy, I could be very spiritually intimate with my Bible study group,
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
3: you know, right. uh, sharing very open, o- openly, you know, back and forth, or intellectually with my colleagues at work, you know, we we're, we're we're able to just share our crazy intellectual ideas, you know, and then back, and we trust one another, whatnot. Okay, um, but with sexual intimacy, okay, the only person. We do that with is our
4: spouse.
3: The only one we have sexual intimacy with is our, our spouse, not with you know, work colleagues, with our Bible study group, with you know other relatives. Only, only a spouse. Okay. Sexual intimacy is uniquely marital. It most concretely expresses the nature of marriage. That marriage is exclusive. It's lifelong and it's life giving.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: And it has a unique power to bond the couple together. Okay? But unfortunately, we live in a society and age that's so so terribly confused about sexuality, um, what it is, what it means, how, how God designed it, and so couples need to learn God's beautiful plan for marital sexuality, and and live it. As, it, as I mentioned, it it has marital sexuality has a unique power to bond the couple together the church traditionally speaks of the two two dimensions of of marital sexuality the procreative dimension and the unitive dimension or the the bonding dimension okay but unfortunately many couples sabotage that bonding power of their sexuality by introducing barriers Mm -hmm. into it into their into their sexuality through contraception you know maybe it's a physical barrier. through some physical form of contraception condoms diaphragm what have you mm-hmm. or maybe it's chemical a chemical barrier mm-hmm. um or maybe there's been you know sterilization tubal ligation vasectomy, what have you and um now this capacity the ability to uh bond through the unique vulnerability that uh, marital sexuality allows for now you're putting up barriers and defense your walls Defense mechanisms, and and in doing so, um, it robs marital sexuality of its power mm-hmm. to uh, be that unique uh, form of bonding and of of intimacy, shared intimacy between between the spouses. Um, and so, you know, for for so many of our Catholics, for so many of the world, all this that I'm talking about is like completely foreign
4: mm-hmm. to.
3: Um, you know our world, and even foreign to them, because uh, many many Catholics have not been formed in this. So, going back to the how I named this strategy again, it we need couples need to learn God's plan for marital sexuality. Mm-hmm. They need to do some study. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to put in put in some work to learn God's beautiful plan for marital sexuality, and then for ask His grace to then begin to live that. Mm-hmm. And maybe for many, you know that that tough the tough nugget that they're going to have to, to, to take a look at and try and crack is going to be what's their relationship been with contraception?
2: Yeah. Uh, And father Dan, it's such a huge topic. And as you just said, it's one I think we're going to ask you to come back and talk to us more about, because it is, there's so much to break open in that. And we hate to stop now, but we realize we are kind of up against the end of our time. And that is, there's so much in that one. Would you, we appreciate you so much being with us today. Would you, would you come back again?
3: Oh, you've got me uh in a vulnerable spot here. <laughs> that was the plan.
2: <laughs> there
3: we go. Would you would you
2: bless our listeners with the closing with the closing blessing, Father?
3: Sure, sure. Be glad to. Heavenly Father, I call down your blessing upon uh all who have been tuning in today uh to this radio program, all who have uh been spending some time with us in the in the family room. Uh Lord brought your grace upon them uh, particularly on those who are listening who are who are married or are contemplating marriage or preparing for marriage um, Lord help them to uh, prioritize their marriage rightly uh, amongst all the relationships that they have in their life help spouses to align on their religious beliefs help them to practice their their faith together as a couple as a family give them the help they need to always invest in their marriage and to work on it, to make it a, a project that is never done, but it's, but it's always in, under construction. And Lord, um, invite these couples to, to, to learn more about your beautiful plan for marital sexuality, and then having learned about it, to, to live it. Father, ask this blessing upon all your listeners so that they might experience your goodness and the goodness of marriage and family life. Lord, I ask this blessing of you, you who are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Father Dan. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And please join us again next week here in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom to families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.